Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined as always by my pal, <laughs> Mike Matsky. Howdy. That's quite a setup. Did you see the coasters I brought in? I did see these. Is it okay to use them? Cool. I don't yeah, please. De- hey. I don't want to deface the no, be my, Small Town Monsters logo. Be my guest. Um, <laughs> please, deface them. <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, the official podcast of Small Town Monsters, I guess. Squadcast is as well, so we've got two official podcasts. Yeah, we were first. We won. We won. <laughs> uh, this, uh, okay, so first of all, we've, we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so I feel out of sync on this. Um, we have, what do we have coming up? Oh, uh, oh my goodness oh, yeah, me. Yeah. Kickstarter launch yeah. will be, well, we'll probably still record Oh, that would actually be the day if we record on a Thursday. <laughs> it would be the day of the Kickstarter wow. launch. Um, well, the Kickstarter launch is February 4th. Fourth. Yeah. Um, 7 p.m. is when the launch takes place, which if you're an STM fan or you've been around for any length of time, then you already know it's when we do the Kickstarter launch party, which we are doing once again. Most of the STM crew will be here at the office for it. Uh, and we'll be broadcasting it live. I'm assuming from this very room. Um, I guess it could be from from the other office as well. But um, we're going to be broadcasting. Uh, there's trivia. Mark's prepared. Mm-hmm. He's ready to take oh, everyone yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Last year I was way too easy on people. On people, yeah. Well, I was. I. It's my I think fault that's just because a truism in general. <laughs> <laughs> It was my fault because I really, you know, I, they were multiple choice and they were kind of easy and I did misunderestimate who would be watching. So that I just, I'm coming back with, you know, obscure trivia is sort of the, that's going to be, the, the gauntlet's going to be thrown down. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. You're all screwed is what Mark and... That's, yes. That is definitely, our goal is to hose as many... <laughs> As many of our faithful, faithful exactly. fans and supporters. You to be so upset. Yeah. Oh, you guys are in trouble. You, yeah. Yeah. So bring your A game, people. We, you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, so that'll launch at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll probably get the launch party going. We'd like to get that going before the um kickstarter so when we actually hit the launch button you'll we'll we'll be live already so if you're watching this or listening to this and you want to be a part of the launch party probably get on facebook or youtube around 6 40 eastern time and be looking for the notification we should be setting up the page 
um, the link and all that stuff in the next uh, week and a half, I would say. So you'll she'll actually have a direct link to where the where the live video will appear. That'll be at seven p.m. Eastern time. Is Andy coming? Yes. Okay, so it'll be myself, Andy, um, Mark, Aaron. I believe is coming. Adrian will be here, so maybe Nicole will be down, and Zach is going to put in an appearance. Nice. So that's our gang. Tommy Breedlove. Any Tommy Breedlove probably won't be here this year. Uh, yeah, too bad. Yeah, no. Uh, he'd be wanting Snow Miser on the TV or <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> Might be a little difficult. He could, he could do like a um, audio commentary. Yeah. Oh, he would. <laughs> Whether we wanted it or not, he'd there'd definitely be audio commentary. Um. But yeah, we're really excited about it this year. It's a nerve-wracking year as well, um, which if you're a Squadcast member, you've, you've already seen the Squadcast where we talked about, or Squad member, you've already seen the Squadcast where we talked about the year to come and how much of what we're making this year depends on the Kickstarter succeeding. So be there. Um, I think the rewards are really cool this year, uh, especially this book which I'm sure we're going to do multiple episodes where we talk about the book, but we've announced so far, yeah. we've announced the book we've announced uh, DVD or Blu-ray options this year. And we've announced the new how the Ruguru shirt. I'm also supposed to post uh, at some point today, the announcement about the posters. So the posters are back um, and this year's posters are pretty cool. You've got three Matt Pepler and one Sam Sheeran uh, poster for the shirt campaign. Nice. And then there's more coming. Um, next week or something yeah we're, we're making more announcements the book is gaining traction already i'm is really it? psyched okay, yeah cool. i've reached out to a, a ton of people oh wow and like everyone's on board it's really it's gonna be fun this is a bad time to tell you i've decided i'm writing the whole book <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um that was a notification that ocean city has just gone live the city of ocean city it's it's finally up and running <laughs> yeah. um Thank goodness uh yeah, it, but we're we're excited about the Kickstarter. Be be there or be square. Um, also squad members. Obviously, if you're watching this, then you're already a squad member. If you're not watching this, then you're and you're listening and you're interested in watching Mark and I talk. You can do it if you're a squad member. You can also see the squadcast that Mark was on last week, where we did the year in review. Mm. Well, that was two weeks ago. We did the year in review, and then last week we had it, Santino Vitale on to talk about on the Trail of Hauntings. On the Trail of Hauntings is now available on Squad. Um, there's other announcements. I don't even know when I should make these. Honestly, this is probably as good a time as any to make them. But for sh over over the next year, Squad is going to expand greatly and include hopefully more uh, original content, including it'll be the first place that on the Trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman drops uh, episodically. It, uh, obviously, if you're a Kickstarter backer from 2020, you'll also be getting on the Trail of Lake Michigan Mothman, so no worries about that. Um, the, the other big announcement, which we haven't even announced anywhere, and I don't even know if we will, but we have a new original uh, series launching by way of a pilot created by Alexander Petikoff. Uh, it's a web series called Beyond the Trail. Um, and to be all uh, in just full frankness um we're figuring this out as we go so alex is this is going to be as in the field as stm gets it's um 
Alex leaves tonight, and he'll be in camping out in the woods for three days in an active location. He'll be interviewing people. He's got some friends of ours involved in the series. I don't know if you mentioned that to you yeah. on record or off record, but... Um, oh, yeah, I forget. Yeah, there's some Squatchachusetts guys yeah. that are involved yeah. and, and some witnesses. And uh, But he's actually going to go out and try to find some some evidence and go looking for for uh, Bigfoot in an area of New Hampshire that, that has a long history of, of activity. Uh, the series is called Beyond the Trail. It will launch probably in April, maybe early May, and it's going to be completely free when it comes out. So it'll come out free on YouTube. Uh, not Squad, free YouTube. Uh, and then it'll also be available eventually on like Prime and that kind of stuff. But Im- initially it's available on YouTube for viewers to check out. And we're really excited about that. We hope that's going to be an ongoing something we can launch. Um, the way we're looking at YouTube now is like our place to park original episodic content. All the feature stuff is going to be featured on other platforms. Um, even on the Trail of Hauntings, when it makes its way to other platforms like Prime, it will be... Um, different from how it was intended. It will be packaged in volumes mm. with episodes edited together. Have I, I've rambled way too much. We're nine minutes into this. Um, it's very newsy. Yeah. There's lots going on. There is. I feel like there's something else missing. Um, I'm going to sneeze in a second. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's what squad is made for. Man. Are those? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Uh, Talking about it sort of always oh, freezes really them. Helps somehow. me. Um, okay, so we're going to uh, this week's episode. <laughs> this week's episode is all about. Honestly, both the episodes we're recording today are all about uh, Kentucky. There's a very specific reason we're talking about the bluegrass state this week, and that is because we are going on a, a our second dudes weekend that includes the Matskis. Uh, our third dudes weekend that's just Tommy and I. Mm-hmm. So. Um, he still refers to it as two dudes weekend. <laughs> and so we're, we're doing our, our third annual dudes weekend. It's going to be Mark and Andy, myself and Tommy. And, and this is going to be really fun. And I'm hoping to do some live stuff too. Um, because the back half of this trip, we're actually going to end up in Adams, Tennessee again on Sunday. So if you're watching this, I'm, I hope to have this posted later today, Thursday, um, so I'm hope Thursday, the, what is today? today 21st. Is, yeah, 21st. So uh, if you're listening or watching this, uh, be on the lookout because we're, we're probably going to try to do some live stuff, at least from Adams, maybe also from, from uh, Kentucky. But uh, due to the fact that we're going to Kentucky, I, I can't let a, a chance to look into Bigfoot and uh, just general strangeness in a state go to waste. So that's what we did. So this week's episode is all about that. And there is an abundance of. I was going to say stuff. it's crazy. It's, it's very interesting. I'm super stoked about the next episode. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've got some stuff in this episode that's cool, but I think the next episode's where I'm really I've been pretty jazzed up yeah. about it because the next episode is is all about Mammoth Cave. I'll also say uh, both of these episodes could be easy two parters. This episode will probably run a little longer. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, mummies in mammoth cave let's just that's one of the things we're gonna get into uh gateway to the hollow earth in mammoth cave Uh, things they don't want you to know yeah for sure (laughs) so i don't even know where to start with with bigfoot do you want to do you want to (laughs) start 
Well, sure. The yeah, Bigfoot in Kentucky is, you know, I think it's it's more on the radar now than it's ever been. But having said that, it's still, I think, pushed down the list for whatever reason. You know, mm-hmm. people think Pacific Northwest. And uh, from there, they think of other locations around the United States, maybe Boggy Creek or eastern Texas, Ohio, perhaps, Adirondacks. But Kentucky just gets passed over until relatively recently. And uh, the bottom line is there's a long history, I mean, just in paralleling other locations around the United States, there's a long history going back to, you know, the first time newspapers and folklore started to be recorded. Uh, Kentucky's no different. And... For that reason, I think that it's well worth looking into. And when you start looking into it, what you very quickly discover is that it's uh, there's a rich variation and um, and rich folklore surrounding these stories as well. Great names, great place names, all of them having you know pointing to something that seems to have been there for a long time. Yeah, I've said it before. There's a lot of similarities between Kentucky and West Virginia, but Kentucky has a, a very specific there there's a there's a sharp divide at the same time between the two of them. And I don't know how to define it. I just mm. know that you feel it when you're in in those places. There's a lot of similarities. You got the hollers and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's a very the culture changes from one to the mm. other. I don't think you can mistake West Virginia culture for for Kentucky culture. That's my read on it anyway. Um, and I think that extends to Bigfoot. One strange thing about Bigfoot, if you want to go find West Virginia Bigfoot history on a Google search, it's really easy. You just Google search Bigfoot in West Virginia. You'll find stories going, you know, Flatwoods monster stories from the 70s. Mm-hmm. You'll find all sorts of, of Bigfoot, um, Bigfoot tales. It's harder with Kentucky to do a simple Google search. And what this forced me to do is turn to my own research by asking our good friend Heather Moser to please send me stories Uh about Big Bigfoot Uh in Kentucky, which she did. And then that got me going on my own side trails as well. So I've got stuff um, I want to talk about. And then I've got some updates on some more recent stories that I got from Charlie Raymond today when I reached out to him this morning. Yeah. No, I said I did work on this one. When I walked in, you said you did work. Well, I like to announce it. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I do anything, I like to make it known that I've done things. Uh, If you're watching this and my face is red, I think I've miscued where the light was pointed, and it's okay. I'm too lazy to get up and move (laughs) things now, so I have a red face on this episode. Uh, Okay, as far as Bigfoot goes, where do you want to start? Can you just start with something and then I'll pick up from there? Okay, I think, well, why don't we start with sort of a quintessential Kentucky case, and that would be uh, the Spotsville Monster. See, this is, I'm glad I didn't do what I was going to do, which was really dive into the Spotsville Monster. Mm -hmm. I was going to look up newspaper articles and I, I didn't have time. And then I realized more than likely you would have Spotsville Monster taken care of. And Mark and I, I don't know if we know this for a fact, but we're we're both pretty sure at some point we touched upon Bigfoot in Kentucky on Sasswat, unless it was you and Andy that touched on it. Without looking, I think we did. I I I think it was you and the two of us. I think we we did did at some point, yeah. Yep. Okay. So Spotsville is 
super interesting. It's the um, and I have to say, Spotsville Monster is something I'd always heard of, but if you would have you know asked me directly, what's the Spotsville That's Monster the all me. about? Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to. We get asked that. a lot about doing a Spotsville Monster movie, and I think there already is one. I think there's already like an independent oh. Bigfoot documentary about the Spotsville Monster. Yeah, and evidently there is a Monster Quest episode that incorporates at least portions of the Spotsville Monster as well as uh, the Geneva Giant. That might be the Hillbilly Beast episode. Yes, it would okay. be. That would exa- It's exactly what it would be. Because um, as we'll see, it's all this activity is centered around Henderson County. Mm-hmm. And in Nunnally's book, Bigfoot in Kentucky, which is my primary source for this episode, one of the theories that he posits later in this section is that Spotsville Monster, Creature of Canoe Creek, Geneva Giant, uh, and um, the, what are they called again? The Hillbilly, there's some designation here. Hebbardsville Hillbillies. Oh, there you go. Could, Hendricksville or Henderson? Heb- Hebbardsville. Hebbardsville. Yes. I was close. <laughs> um, could potentially all of course be the same creature or family of creatures it's just that each of these locations is so sort of discreet and specific their own names build up over time so yeah i mean the the thing that i found in looking into this is that i kept coming across stories that really have no direct there's nothing immediately tying them to bigfoot but the descriptions are pretty clearly bigfoot type creatures this deviates towards the end. I'm going to get into some devil monkey stuff that actually connects back to Mammoth Cave, but I decided to use it in this episode because my Mammoth Cave stuff is, I got a lot. Yeah. Floyd Collins and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. I'm okay. really excited. That's to get it. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Spotsville oh, Monster. God. Let's just shut this off and go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Spotsville, what's so... I, again, I'm learning on the fly as I'm figuring all this out is directly tied to the Nunnally family. Mm-hmm. So like this is what his family experienced is largely responsible for what we know as the Spotsville monster. And it really starts when he was a kid. His mom saw something out of the window while she was doing dishes. And, you know, they they um, charged out to the backyard. Um, I'll just read a little bit of the text to let give a sense of it. it says uh, she took a step toward the living room doorway she didn't know why she was scared her feet were moving of their own will uh, she, tears began to spill from her eyes she clenched her fists as after a seeming eternity she stepped into the doorway she screamed when it came into view the monster it was huge and covered with dark hair so tall it was bent over nearly double to avoid its head from striking the room's eight-foot ceiling, so the creature had come in the house. Hmm. Uh, Mary screamed again when their eyes met. Through her tears, she could see the monster's eyes glowed an evil red, and that with each deep, ragged breath, blue fire was coming from its nostrils and mouth. She fainted then. And then uh, goes on. It's uh, stories like this and features that are even just described in those few words kind of give a number of details about Spotsville monster number one is the sounds that it makes are distinctive often described as sort of pig-like grunting or deep breathing Uh, there's always the red eyes associated with this creature and there's a kind of otherworldly quality to it I guess I would say I mean it's described here in terms of blue fire 
uh, we're, we're later on in some of these descriptions, we'll meet someone who, to use today's shorthand way of talking about it, felt they were mind-spoken to by this creature. So there seems to be a blend of like classic Bigfoot description mixed with some other sort of almost occult stuff going on. Hmm. Um, this incident taken from the book Inhumanoids, that's another of Nunnally's writings, happened in 1935 in the farmhouse that my own family occupied 40 years later. So it wasn't his mom in that description, but it was the previous owners to the house that had had this really horrifying thing. And so they occupied this home on Mound Ridge Road. Many of the other homes in that area had been destroyed in a flood, but this one was spared. And so what that resulted in is that a lot of the other houses fell into disrepair, were never rebuilt or reoccupied, but their house, not having incurred any damage, just stood there. And what it ended up creating was uh, isolation, which they felt played into then, even though they had heard even before the flood hit and these other homes were destroyed, there was a history of some creature roaming the woods that didn't um, really like the fact that people had moved into the area. And just for, to, to cult, culturally, the way of life in Appalachia, especially Kentucky, West Virginia, is families own large chunks of land. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you go into those hollers in West Virginia and you'll have houses tucked back away in the woods and they're all relatives that own these houses next to each other. People are buried in family cemeteries in the woods and that is something that stretch. I mean, Tennessee has that, North Carolina, all the south, the southern states, but especially I find it in Kentucky and West Virginia. Yeah. Just so. And that's the, in a sense, that's the wealth that's passed from generation to generation is the land itself and the expectation is this is coming down this yeah okay you'll be next and then you'll pass that on to your kids too it's interesting and it gives a you know i this is a a real side trip but that is partially what is underneath (laughs) literally and figuratively how people from the outside come into these cultures and look at them and say man these people they live with a, a very little you know, and they think, how can I help these people living in those conditions when they don't understand mm-hmm. it's the land that they're standing on. Yeah. That's where these folks find their, their wealth and their meaning is not in, you know, how big the house is or how many cars, hmm. but it's, this is our, this is our land. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's been in our family for time immemorial. And yeah. It, I mean, it always and, will and, be. and that, stretches all the way back to the revolutionary war Mm -hmm. because those those families that's they were given those land grants for serving Mm -hmm. it's crazy that when you get into the cultural heritage of of some of these regions and and the the way the families are are almost like like tied to those places it's it's very interesting and there's probably a way to investigate that to look at that through the Bigfoot lens or through the local mm-hmm. monster lens. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Now that I'm th- talking about this. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So um, here we are fast forwarding to January, 1976. Um, the thing with the, with Spotsville monster and Nunley's family and, and so forth is that this creature was uh, fairly destructive. You know, he says here that uh, before the episode was over, my family would lose a total of over 200 chickens, a goat, and a horse, and find the remains of eight dogs, a pig, and a goat all mutilated. So that's, I mean, that's breathtaking when you really stop to consider how much 
animal life or livestock is being lost and evidently through predatory actions of something. Did, did they talk about how, like mutilated how? Or just like it just says mutilated and doesn't expand on that? Um, You know what? I, I think it doesn't get into huge okay. detail on that, but what's implied is that it was eaten oh. as opposed to just ripped to shreds and hmm. discarded. So here's a here's a one example. One day my parents heard what sounded like something big drinking water from the small creek just inside the woods out behind the house. By the sound of the loud gulping noises it was making, Dad judged whatever it was to be at least as big as a horse or cow. Soon afterwards we began to hear strange noises coming from the fields and woods outside. Sometimes they would come from close by, sometimes from far away. Our two vicious and highly treasured guard dogs could be heard bumping their heads on the floorboards as they scurried beneath the house in fear of whatever was making the sounds. This caused my brother much concern. And, you know, it, it's not unlike other stories where there's a continuing presence in a place where it starts with sounds mm -hmm. and it builds up to more and more interaction mm -hmm. and feelings of threat leading up to the eyewitness sightings and interactions with the creature which in this case generally took the form of shooting at it um here's another one uh, one day a stranger came walking from the far tree line across one of the fields he was holding a shotgun broken down walking toward the house his other hand raised in a friendly gesture it took both the adults to finally calm down the dogs when the stranger approached and introduced himself as roy neighbor who lived less than half a mile up the road he told my father that he had just been squirrel hunting in some nearby woods and scared something big and hairy that ran away on its hind legs as it was heading in this direction, he hadn't the slightest idea what the animal could be or whether it was dangerous. He felt it was his Christian duty to come warn our family about the event. He didn't get a look at the thing's face, but it was big and hairy, ran away on two legs like a man. Dad liked Roy immediately and invited him to come back for coffee when he had the chance. The two became great friends, and this new acquaintance would play a pivotal role in the drama that was about to unfold. So there's a illustration I was say, man, in the this book. guy's got some talent. Yeah. <laughs> have i met did i so a couple of years ago i met an investigator in kentucky and now i can't remember if it was barton Nunnally. i can't i can't remember okay. who, who was that i met i may have met, actually met the author but i can't remember that would, if that was yeah. or not okay so um how long what's the period of time that this all takes place over um it is a series i mean the main the main interactions i would say mm -hmm. would be um over a series of months in 1976 Everything is 76 yes, and 78. Does, uh, does it culminate with something? Well, yeah, it does. And it says, um, <laughs> Dad, realizing this was no ordinary monster, asked Roy if he thought it might come up one night and try to steal one of his children. The man replied that was not likely, as our family had been there for nearly a year, and the thing seemed content with killing animals and merely scaring people. But, he said, if the creature ever did decide to kidnap a child, there would be nothing anyone in this world could do. The child would be gone, period. Uh, for weeks, Dad had kept a five-gallon bucket of kerosene and a mop near the kitchen door in case the creature tried to get in and attack the members of the household. In the event that he could not drive it away with bullets or fire, it was his intention to kick the bucket of fuel over and set it ablaze, burning the house to the ground with the whole family inside rather than losing one or more of us to the creature and trying to live with the loss. Better he reasoned that we should all die and go to heaven together, and trying to live without a single member of the family, all of us had agreed. Soon after the talk with the neighbor, we found ourselves packing up our belongings and moving back to the safety of the city. Hmm. So, you know, there's, I think it was over the course of time, 
lots of strange sounds, brief sightings, and the, the continuous loss of their animals that freaked them out. They, they kind of wondered, you know, who's, are we going to be next? If we run out of animals, then we're the next thing that could be taken and eaten. And it kind of reaches a, a postscript here with an interview with Roy uh, in February 2005. I, he told me about his further encounters with the Spotsville monster astounded me. He claimed he had seen the beast several more times after my family left. Moreover, he said he had seen things that went far beyond anything he had ever dreamed possible. One day he was walking along an old fence line next to a field and noticed a strange area that looked like heat waves rising from a hot summer road. The area was only a few yards wide, and to either side everything looked normal. According to Roy, as he was watching, one of the creatures stepped out of this strange wavy area like stepping out of a doorway. One second there was nothing, the next it was right there looking at him. It growled at him, and at the same time, Roy said he could hear, screaming inside his head, the words, Leave me alone. Then it turned around, took a step back into the strange-looking doorway, and disappeared. After that, Roy said he began watching this area from a distance using binoculars. In all, he claimed to have witnessed several different monsters using this doorway a total of three different times, always appearing or disappearing seemingly into thin air. The creatures would then be seen crossing his own property and tripping the sensitive motion-detecting security lights in his yard. Last sighting was in August of 2004. When asked if I could see the trace evidence, I received another revelation. Soon after the media coverage, back in 75, he said he was visited by the state police and a couple of other men whom he took to be Department of Natural Resources officials. He was shocked when they demanded that he turn over all evidence concerning the Spotsville monster to them. Moreover, they warned him that if he ever talked to anyone else about the subject, especially the media, he would be arrested without hesitation and thrown into prison on a quote-unquote made-up charge. He said the men told him he would never see his wife and two daughters again unless it was through prison bars. In addition, a statement had been prepared for the local paper in his name stating for a fact that what he had seen was nothing more than a large black bear. Not easily intimidated, Roy said he balked at the whole thing at first, reasoning that this was America and his rights were being grossly violated, but his visitors were very persuasive and in the end, he said he had little choice but to go along with the charade for the sake of his family. Um. So I have, I, I, I'm not going to, touch on this too long actually because it, it is more devil monkey related and i just feel like uh it's it's probably not in the right episode here but i i wanted to mention it and because this ties back so i'm reading here from barton nunnally's mysterious kentucky volume one um uh apparently his brother robert moved to a place called Summershade. i think this is on the same property or nearby because he talks about spotsville in this story and how um, the family started having strange things happen to them. Um, but this is all related back to tiny little, uh, uh, devil monkeys. Mm. Um, but there's a part here that I thought was super interesting. And now I've lost it. That ties back. Basically this all ties back to mammoth cave. Um, there's cave systems in the woods behind the house and they all sort of run back to, um, mammoth cave. Um, so there's, as we'll talk about in the next episode, um, there's a lot of lore that connects Mammoth Cave to the Hollow Earth Theory. Uh, and I dove way down this rabbit hole yesterday for like two hours on Reddit. Um, <laughs> nothing too crazy. It's just there were literally people trying to form a posse to go no search kidding. the caves I for the Hollow Earth entrance. I can't wait to hear that. So... 
because my research went more in the direction of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And, I did a little bit of that, but not a ton. And mummies, as were mentioned, some mummies. and um, just sort of general unexplained. So this is very targeted. It yeah, I went into some weird directions. I edited like crazy yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I cranked out. I you've been watching the rough oh, yeah. cuts. Like I've done all that in like three weeks, and or two weeks. I don't even know, but um. Yeah, I got to a point yesterday where I hit the wall. It was around 3 o'clock, and I was like, I'm just going to sit down and read yeah. stuff about Mammoth Cave, and that yeah. led me to that. Um, but I, I wanted to read this because it's... So so basically, his brother Robert moves onto this property. They start experiencing really weird activity. They have some people come out to stay on the property who want to help them, and these people begin to see these tiny little hairy creatures who seem pretty, pretty abrasive, like... Um, aggressive they're they're they approach the the visitors uh rv one night and they're pretty but he ties this all back to coleman lauren coleman which i thought was kind of cool so and again this all ties back as well to mammoth cave but he's a south central kentucky like the rest of the state is no stranger to reports of hers hersuit how do you say this word hersuit hersuit ape-like humanoids both small and large (laughs) Sober witnesses have been describing such things from all parts of Kentucky for generations. According to Lauren Coleman's Mysterious America, in nearby Monroe County, there exists a location called Monkey Cave Hollow. The name was given by early settlers and referred to the strange tribe of monkeys, which inhabited the area, living in caves and foraging for roots and berries. According to Coleman, these critters were hunted to their apparent extinction, with the last of them reportedly shot and killed around the turn of the 20th century. I humbly submit the strong possibility that at least some of them got away. The region seems to be a favorite haunt of these mysterious monkeys. Bordered on three sides by the state's largest lakes, Barren River Lake, Dale Hollow, and Lake Cumberland, the land between and around these bodies of water remains largely virgin and unspoiled. At present writing, I have been to the area several times gazed upon the many mountains, valleys, forests, rivers, and streams. Uh, He goes into how they could exist there, but I just thought it was cool that there's all these sightings of these little devil monkeys, which again, I'm not one of these people, but if you do subscribe to the idea that there are multiple um, species of, of ape unknown primate roaming around North America, uh, this fits right into that. You've got the devil monkey stories, which are some of my favorite. Um, And honestly, I've often thought about the fact that what we experienced in in Area X didn't necessarily remind me of like a screaming giant eight foot eight, but some sort of, you know, ornery, ornery primate. Yeah, you've always described that in terms of a primate sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was like a chimp. We uh, The chimp of Area X. It was, uh, I just blanked on what exactly it is, but we actually looked it up, you know, on YouTube Mm -hmm. afterward and I cannot. A gibbon? Gibbon, that's it. The gibbon, gibbon laugh is what we really were. Billy Gibbons? <laughs> that's some. Billy Gibbons, that's it. <laughs> that's his name. Uh, <laughs> but there's apparently all a ton of that kind of, I don't know if you came across that, but there's a ton of that kind of um, lore in Kentucky of like tiny creatures. Um, there's leprechaun stories mm-hmm. in this book as well that, that he gets into that I thought were cool. But... Um, I did come across a couple more what you would consider common Bigfoot type stories. Uh, and I'm going to go off of these two and then you can go. And then I've got some more like present day stuff. Mm-hmm. Just really letting our listeners know how 
uh, studiously. Yeah, yeah, I have. I planned on this. <laughs> uh, this this is again from Barton Nunnally's book, but this is a witness account, and this was submitted on uh, September thirteenth, two thousand six. Uh, but the date of the actual event was nineteen sixty six. Also, just a real quick note here: if you're looking on the BFRO for um, Bigfoot reports. Uh, I found it was kind of pointless. I've got two that I pulled that I thought were interesting that were class A's, but I know there's a lot of activity activity around Bullock County and there's nothing on the BFRO database for Bullock County. Hmm. So I thought that was curious. Curious. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, when I was around nine years old living in Breckenridge County, I had had the most hair raising experience of my life. One night while fast asleep in my bed, I woke to a loud commotion outside my bedroom window as if something hit the side of my house. I sprang to the window and looked out, but saw nothing. So I ran to the living room and pulled back the curtains to the window of the front door and came face to face with the most strangest creature. <clears throat> I can only best describe it as a lizard man, although the only human thing about it was the fact, wait, I'm pulling the wrong art. Everyone ignore me. Please, I've ruined something great for the next episode. Uh-oh. That was the wrong one. Ah, lizard. Spoilers. That's this is involved in Mammoth Cave, dude. Wow. I'm telling you, this Mammoth Cave episode. What are we guys, getting ourselves into here? This is epic. We're I just get thought arrested. we were gonna go see stalactites. We're gonna things. Mammoth Cave mummies. There's uh, a doorway to the hollow earth in there. Yeah. Lizard men, <laughs> devil monkey tribes. Uh, okay, sorry. Anderson County. This took place in 2006, 6 a.m. Lawrenceburg. Um, I was going deer hunting. This was one that Heather gave me, by the way. So okay. I think of credit to her. Um, I was going deer hunting and it was early before dawn. It was a little foggy and the temperature was changing to cold. I walked to the opening near my deer stand when I heard footsteps behind me. I then heard what sounded like screaming, real low pitch sounding, almost a growl. I got to the stand and climbed up for about 10 minutes. It, whatever this thing was, circled the tree I was in and made these sounds. I would have shot at it, but I never could see it because of the dense fog. I don't think it was any any animal I know of. I stayed there until about 10 a.m. then left. On the trail back, I noticed there were branches broken off about chest high, and I felt like someone was watching me the whole way. Uh, this is uh, There was a follow-up report on this done by Charlie Raymond, who had this to say, The witness had never heard of any sightings in Anderson County until researching finding this website. He did not see any footprints in the area because it was very grassy. This is a pretty uh, mundane sort of report, uh, unlike the next one. <clears throat> I was looking, this one was from around the same time uh, in Barron County. I was looking everything over to make sure that I got out all my deer hunting things when suddenly I heard this loud screaming, so I remained in my deer stand. Then I smelled uh, something. was. It smelled like something was dead. It was then that I caught sight of this thing walking out of the corner of my eye. It was around 25 yards away from me. Uh, brown reddish hair, around 7 to 8 feet tall. Uh, screaming Bigfoot. And all of these are involved in some way Charlie Raymond. So, I mean, I think we probably have to mention Charlie and Barton Nunnally as being mm. sort of the go-to yeah. Kentucky Bigfoot investigators, right? No doubt. Yeah. I remember um, hearing Charlie Raymond at uh, Bigfoot Conference. Mm-hmm. My... Um, but I think that I, I have more of these BFRO, like Class A sightings, and they're interesting. Um, you know, one thing I noticed about 
Kentucky is I'm always trying to find similarities between the accounts. The thing that comes up the most is noises, screams mm-hmm. and things yeah. and, and like maybe a slightly more aggressive nature, but you might just be looking into that or these might be the reports that get repeated the most. But did you notice those same? Yeah, I sure did. Okay. And the way that the it's sounds and the type of sounds, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the, almost like they're unusually loud. Right. Yowling is a word that's often attached to these reports. Yodeling. yodeling. Yeah. Great yodeling. Ricola. <laughs> but um the, Bigfoot. Yeah. Kentucky home. <laughs> yodeling. Yodeling um but yeah, there's one in particular that I marked off. I'm not sure where it is now, but it the description of the sound that it made was a cross between like a lion mm-hmm. and something else, but just that resonant and that loud. Well, your pig mentioning the yeah. pig, the pig thing reminded me of the beast of Whitehall. Mm. Cause that came up with the beast of Whitehall as well. It doesn't remind me at all of like Minerva. That's not really ever mentioned. Mm-mm. Come to think of it. Is there, are there any like call sounds associated with Minerva? I, I can't, I can't I, think that, of anything. Although I know in the modern day, that the Catons um, talk about hearing all sorts of sounds mm. in those woods. So, but as far as the initial Minerva reports, there's not that I can okay. recall. There's no, at least nothing that stands out. Yeah. They, hmm. were, they weren't yodeling. They were. I'm saying. <laughs> yes. So uh, should we get into the Hebbardsville hillbillies? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Cause this is, this takes us into at least 2004. Okay. Um, Hebbardsville is just across the green river. From Reed and Spotsville. Creedon River is the other thing I wanted to mention. Creedon oh, River oh. comes up constantly, mm-hmm. not just in Bigfoot reports, but Mammoth Cave. There's some. Does do you notice really? these, these? Yeah. Do you notice these very like specific <clears throat> geographical landmarks that constantly are made mention of in these reports? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it just because I've never lo- really spent a ton of time looking into the states that they're standing out to me? Green River, I know for a fact, comes up in like four of the reports I pulled oh, to talk wow. about today Okay, that I didn't talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's suggestive of that location, um, which now, I mean, it's all preserved land, mm-hmm. so it's going to be wild, presumably, forever. And um, oh, Missing 4, we got to talk about Missing 411, <laughs> cave systems, <laughs> and why it's nonsense on, <laughs> on the next episode. I got to get into that. Okay. So, uh, Hebbardsville. Let's, it's the Green River, um, crossed from Spotsville. Uh, Nunnally learned that in early winter of 2004, two stargazers were parked on Pleasant Hill Road overlooking the Green River bottomlands when they spotted two figures in the field below them pulling up old corn stalks and apparently eating the roots. The creatures were large, ape like, and hirsute. Oh, it's a big word. Or hairy, I didn't know if how you to wish. Say it. I mean, it just literally means hairy. Okay. <laughs> so I don't I like know. Hairy. Yeah. Anyhow, one having brown hair and the other white. Uh Uh-huh. Returning to the scene the following morning, signs of the being's presence in the form of uprooted corn and tracks were reportedly found. The creatures were dubbed the Hebbardsville Hillbillies by the locals and the press. I also learned that there was an old abandoned house in the area where something had reportedly constructed a mighty strange bed out of grass and sticks. Although I was warned by a local journalist that a fugitive from justice had been apprehended, in this same house a couple of years previously, and it was possible that this man had constructed the makeshift bedding, I was determined to see it personally if it still existed and decide for myself the nature of its construction. 
However, since the source of the information did not reveal the identities of the alleged witnesses, finding any information at all regarding the incident proved to be a daunting task. As luck would have it, I ran into an old acquaintance of mine, a one-time Hebbardsville resident who claimed to know the story and locations well. He agreed to lead me there. I had also been in contact with an old Cherokee gentleman who claimed to have seen these creatures countless times in the Hebbardsville area since the 1960s and could provide much detail. I decided to try and kill two birds with one stone and both explore the sighting and location in the same weekend. Does it say what county? Yeah, uh, Henderson. Okay. Henderson County is like ground zero I was gonna say, for okay. Bigfoot yeah. and strange happenings okay. in the state. So uh, there, there's quite a bit here in the text. I'm not going to read all of that, but uh, fi- suffice to say, drove to the end of the road, pulled into the parking lot of the old church that stood on the ridge overlooking the Green River, gazed out at the lowlands of Ash Flats, I was disappointed at my inability at getting the store owner to talk to me about the hillbilly sightings, even to let me see the newspaper article, but I still had high hopes that my luck would improve the following day. Uh, He goes on to say um, when he did finally arrive at the Hebbardsville location, the the house had been raised. It was completely gone, so he had nothing really to go on Mm -hmm. in the report. But um, evidently, then there are, there's a couple pages where he, uh, his Cherokee acquaintance has a number of experiences seeing Hubbardsville Bigfoot and even uh, producing an alleged tooth. And it's even pictured in the book. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Looks like a shark tooth. Of alleged Bigfoot tooth owned by the chief of the Southern Cherokee Nation, huh. Michael Manfox Bewley, who came forward publicly about his Bigfoot experiences in 20. 20- Ten. That thing's huge. Yeah, and it looks like it was broken. I think that's why it looks as sharp as it does. Is that it was probably broken off near the root. Okay. Um, I I have a. I, I wasn't going to read this, but now that I've mentioned this Green River thing, so I thought this one was really cool. It's from 1953, and and um, I did pull this off BFRO. October 1953. Were you done with that section? Did yeah. I just cut you off? Yeah. Okay. No. No. I mean, you could. There's lots more there, but... Yeah, that's the thing. Everything we're talking about, there's lots more mm-hmm. there. Um, this one's Casey County. And again, this is BFRO, so you get a direct witness um, story. So I'm going to read it as it's written, unless I can remind myself to fix it. Um, when I was young, six years old, Ronnie Joe, a friend of mine, and myself was playing behind Ronnie's house. We heard a thumping sound and moved closer to see what was making the noise. Just behind a neighbor's house, we saw a Bigfoot digging in the ground with a stick of firewood, at times taking one stick of firewood and pounding a second stick into the ground. Then he would turn the dirt over, using the stick like a spade. He may have been looking for food, but we never knew for sure. Then the Bigfoot stood up and walked our way. We were only 25 to 30 feet from the animal. It was showing its teeth, but didn't make a sound. This was a open field, bright sunshine, lit day, Nothing between us and the animal, so we got a good look, but not a very long look at Bigfoot. The animal had a dark brown coat with a lighter, almost gray vest. He had large teeth and long, dirty fingers and toenails. The nails looked very thick. Um, he has a lot of other stories from the area around the same time. Again, this is 1953, um, but when he's asked where it is, he says about one half mile from Green River, just at the edge of town, up on a small rise out of the river bottom. This was investigated by a BFRO investigator named Kevin Withers, and he found that the um, 
the uh, the boy the the witness seemed believable, hmm. which I thought was interesting. But that was one of those Green River stories that I mentioned. Um, I found a report that was written about in a newspaper from 2018. Uh, monstrous creature turned its head and looked straight at our car. Kentucky woman says. Hmm. But probably, since we're already at 50 minutes, I need to start wrapping up here. Uh, probably the most um, uh, famous Kentucky story happened uh, last year. Uh, to, not last year, 2019. Um, you probably remember when it happened. Uh, the Mammoth Cave shooting incident. Yes. Uh, there was an article in the Courier-Journal, which we've been featured in the Courier-Journal. and actually am friends with a reporter there. Uh that just talks about it. Uh, Brad Glenn and Madeline Durand, a couple of Western Kentucky University students, said they were awakened in the middle of the night last weekend during a camping trip from Mammoth Cave by a gun-toting man hellbent on tracking down the legendary creature. Um, and this was on uh, featured everywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah. USA Today, all that kind of stuff. I contacted Charlie Raymond about it because I knew he had had some involvement in it. Um, he said the man was drunk and was firing at a bear. Oh. So this was not a Bigfoot story. Um, okay. Did not hit the bear, but good. gave it a shot. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you are, if you Google Mammoth Cave Bigfoot, the biggest thing, that is, yeah, mostly your page is full. Yeah, that's mostly that. what comes up. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, if you go on YouTube, which we both know is my favorite means of research. <laughs> uh, if you go on YouTube and search Kentucky Bigfoot, that's the only thing that I could find. Wow. So it's the most popular uh, story from the last at least decade about mm -hmm. Bigfoot. It involves a man Eclipsed firing everything at a, else. a drunk man firing oh, at a great. bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there we go. Yeah. One last short one. I found the reference to the the weird sound. Yeah. This is in Boone County. Does that say bullet? Did you see bullet in this book at all? I can find out real quick. It's weird. Someone once told me that Bullet County was like, oh, there's a lot nope. of activity there, which I thought was strange because I yeah. think Bullet is near Louisville. Hmm. Maybe even where Louisville is, but yeah. I know it's where my friend Josiah lives. Hmm. So I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. But now I see nothing to back up that <laughs> claim. So this is Boone County, which evidently is bordered by the Ohio River. And the reason that, number one, the sound that the creature made is what caught my attention. The other thing is that one of the investigators was Ron Schaffner, which I thought I would be interested in. I think this might be across the river from Adams County. Okay. I'm then uh, this took place on March 31st, 1980, and this is the brief report. Jackie, Dave, and son Jason were ready to retire for the night when they suddenly heard an unusual sound coming from the boat dock. They said the noise sounded like a combination of a lion, a lion and elephant roar. Jackie turned on the outside light connected to the boat dock when they saw the outline of something moving in the weeds. The object was estimated to be two to three feet wide, around 300 pounds, five foot in height, and seemed to have a flat face. However, no eyes, ears, or snout could be seen due to the darkness. The two witnesses also said that this animal tried to jerk their trailer home around as if trying to push it over. Dave decided to go out and investigate. When the animal advanced toward him, he got scared and shot at the creature with his shotgun. The creature appeared to jump back into the river, the Ohio River backwater, and quietly swam toward the east. I love that lion and elephant roar. I mean, that would Does just... that come up multiple times, or is that the one you were referencing That earlier? was the one I was referencing okay. earlier, but the yowling and just a resonant very scary sound there's another one that i looked at and i 
I'm not going to look it up now, but it was two kids who encountered something in the woods, and as they ran away, it made a sound like there's a cross, be- a cross between screaming and crying, mm-hmm. and that that when they think about that sound to this day, it still huh. gives them chills. So weird sound seems to be a that's the recurring common. theme mm-hmm. of Bigfoot, yeah. Uh, and it comes up in the devil monkey stories too. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this this is going to have to wrap up our our bluegrass Bigfoot recap return, whatever it is. <laughs> um, we we are going to do next week's episode is all about Mammoth Cave, and mm-hmm. we will um, be in Mammoth Cave this weekend. So I'm sure we might hit this topic again the week after, uh, or at least you know yeah. some sort of recap of our own trip to Mammoth Cave. We'll investigate yeah. the veracity of these tales. Yes. The lizard man. The, <laughs> the, the hole to the middle of the, the earth. hollow earth monarch. Um, but yeah, this this is, this. is I think this does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Um, Kickstarter launch February 4th, Thursday, February 4th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can become a squad member to watch Mark and I do this sort of thing, drink a lot of Diet Pop while we're doing it. Sometimes we wear backwards baseball caps. We just look like the two coolest guys you can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Leave us a rating review on iTunes and all that stuff. Send us mail to monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Catch you later. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.